Welcome to the IBC Student Ministry Podcast, an extension of Emmanuel Baptist Church here in Warren, Arkansas. The purpose of this podcast is to present sermons from Wednesday nights, special topics, and other resources for parents and students. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Well, welcome everybody to the podcast. Uh, My name is Dustin, and we are actually recording from the youth room, so... You may hear a little bit of echoing or our fridge randomly turning on every so often. Uh, That's totally normal in this room. But, you know, I I figured with what we are talking about and going through that it would be good for me to do a run through in the youth room itself. Um, We are starting a series with our students coming up tonight called The Talk. Um, Essentially, this series is to present students with questions about uh, sexuality and and sex and relationships, dating, um, all that other stuff kind of wrapped into one series that we're calling The Talk. We're going to touch on things like sexual identity, same-sex attraction, gender identity. Um, We're going to talk about uh, what sex is, how God has designed sex. Uh, We're going to talk about relationships. Uh, We're going to talk about purity. What does it mean to pursue uh, holiness in this area? Um, And also, kind of how do we respond as Christians to certain uh, situations and, and people and uh, thoughts and ideas and all this other stuff. And we're really going to kind of just be real and and talk about these things, uh, not necessarily in detail or anything like that, but, but really just presenting the students with real issues, either things that they will face or things that they have faced or things that their friends are facing now. Because I think it's really easy for us to say, okay, well, you know, these students, a lot of them are younger. They're not going to face things like this. But the reality is most of them do. They not only see this in their world, but they see this in media. And so I think it's good as the church that we teach on what's the Bible say about these things. You know, what does God say about same-sex attraction? What does God say about sex and and about marriage and about relationships uh, and about dating and about who we are uh, as men and women and all this other stuff. And so uh, what we're doing is we're walking our students through those things. Uh, Each week, we're actually going to be addressing questions that they've sent in either through our text messaging service or through handwritten uh, notes that they've left in our question box. And what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to answer one or two of those questions every night during the series. And that's almost going to be like a dialogue. Um, I've done similar things like that before just with Bible-related questions. This is pretty much the same thing, except it has to do with uh, maybe a little more sensitive topic for some of our students. So um, we are fully prepared that there's going to be maybe some some awkwardness and some uncomfortability with some of our students. But I feel like we're going to move past it at some point, and I do feel like this is really important to talk about, especially with our students, um, with teenagers in general. And I am super excited to have that conversation and to really walk through these things with them in scripture. Because honestly, like me, just even the last few years, God has taught me a lot in his word regarding sexuality, regarding relationships and and regarding all these things. And I'm excited to kind of share some of these things with the students. Uh, So what I'm going to do is every week I'm either going to record my sermon and kind of give a almost a post thought to it for you as adults uh, or anyone else listening, or I'm going to do what I'm doing right now. And that is I'm actually going to walk through my notes with you going along with me. Uh, And at the end, I kind of want to, I want to present you with resources and things that you can do to carry on this conversation 
and to even educate yourself on some of this stuff too. Uh, and the first thing that we're going to start with this Wednesday night is called, I'm calling sexual identity. Uh, and so, okay, why am I starting with this? It's kind of, it's kind of odd to start with that, right? To, to start with sexual identity. Why not start with dating or with talking or, uh, with anything like that? And the reason why I'm starting with our identities first is because our understanding for God's design for us leads to the way that we treat others, our bodies and our relationships understanding who we are, understanding where we're found in, understanding that identity, and more specifically, what, what, it, what it means to be a man or a woman, um, translates into how we respond to other things that we're going to talk about in this series. And more specifically, some things I'm going to be touching on tonight uh, are same-sex attraction and issues of gender identity. Uh, these are things that honestly are very hot topic issues, issues that are either kind of brushed under the rug with a lot of churches or ministries or things that are talked about to an extent to where it's almost glorifying the sin or making it way more than it is. Um, and so what I'm what I'm wanting to do tonight is I, I'm wanting to have a conversation with our students about these things. I want them to see what does God's word say about these things and what does this mean for us? How do we respond to these things and how do we respond with love? That's my intention for tonight is for them to see these things, not to attack, not to belittle, uh, not to fall under a certain viewpoint, but rather to see scripture, to see the truth, to see what God says about those things and how to love and respond with grace and with truth. Uh, so before I start, let me get a couple things out of the way. These are these are things that I, I want the students to know. These are things I want you to know. Uh, is one, that this is a very hard and complicated issue. Uh, anything having to do with our identity and who we are and struggling in who we are, not only in ourselves, but also in Christ, is complicated and it's difficult. And we have to remember that these are these are, these are human beings and these human beings have human experiences and they have things that are working outside of their life that are working in their heart. And so it's very, very difficult to give a broad stroke to human issues. And so that's the first thing that we need to understand. This is a very difficult and complicated issue, not because it's it's not clear in scripture, not because there's not truth in it, not because there's confusion on it, but because of real human circumstances, it is very difficult to grasp and to translate with love and with affection. And so in everything that we do in this series, but more specifically tonight, we want to treat that as a, we understand this is difficult. We understand this is hard. So let's remember that these are human beings we're talking about and with, with real issues and, and deal with them appropriately. Um, and, and another thing we, we need to understand is that whether we have students that are struggling with this or not, they are around people that have struggled with this or will struggle with this at one point in time. And, and what we have to do is understand, okay, how do we show the grace and love of Christ to people that are struggling with their sexual identity and who they are in Jesus. Uh, so we want to start with what was God's design for the genders? Well, who are we as men and women? And the first thing I always go to is Genesis in the first three chapters, as God is creating the heavens and the earth, he's creating the expanse. He has a design 
and purpose behind everything he creates. Now, I want everyone to remember that this is before the fall starts. This is God's design for us as human beings, not only being made in God's image, but also being in relationship to one another. See, God made Adam and then God made Eve from Adam as a appropriate helpmate to him because there was no no other creature, no other thing on earth that was a, a presentable helpmate to Adam. And so God in his in his infinite wisdom designed men and women for specific purposes, not to work against each other, but to work with each other in in this this beautiful harmony and this wonderful relationship. Um and if, if you know getting kind of more that I may not explain this to the students, but but if you were kind of to ask, you know, what is my my theological stance on some of these things, I would consider I'm a complementarian. Um, and, and looking at that, basically, that means I, I, I believe that men and women are created to complement one another in, in different avenues. And God has made women a specific way. God has made men a specific way to not only fulfill certain roles, but to help one another in the pursuit of glorifying God together, not against or not um, in this weird order of service or whatever it is. Um, and so that is what I feel is is what scripture is talking about in terms of giving men and women the specific roles and design and who they are. Uh, and, and one thing that we need to understand too, is that God does give us attraction and God does give us desires. And some of those desires are right. And some of those desires are wrong. And the God given desires aren't the wrong desires, but we have to understand that due to the fall there are going to be imbalances with us. There's going to be sinful desires within us, but we can't say that every sexual desire that's that's in us is sinful because it's not. Because God has designed sex to be had within the confines of marriage and for us to, to have an attraction and a pursuit for our spouse. And so those desires in themselves for that, in that context, is not wrong. But we have to understand, too, that due to the fall, there are things that have distorted God's original design for men and women in Genesis due to that. So for example, we have people that have uh, attractions that are completely against what God's design for that is. Uh, we have people that, that struggle with certain addictions and, and we have people that have struggled with mental illness. We have people that, that maybe are born uh, a specific way that, that is not, originally in God's specific design, but because of the fall that we have these imbalances within us that, that, that maybe help us lean towards certain sin or to, to have these desires that are sinful and all this other stuff. And it's so complicated because, you know, we need to be careful because we, we understand that we are created in God's image and that God has, has made us in our mother's womb and crafted us. But we always have to understand and know that because of the fall that we, when we are born, are born unto sin and are born imperfect. And it's only through the grace and the love and redemption of Jesus that we are redeemed and that we have a holy pursuit back towards God and that we can have a right relationship with him. It has nothing to do with how hard we work. It has nothing to do with how pure our desires are, are, it all has to do on who, on, on Jesus and our relationship with him. And so 
And talking specifically about the issue of gender identity and, and talking about the transgender movement, all this other stuff, it is ultimately rooted in this idea that you have men and women that either do not feel that they fit in what the gender roles are or expected gender roles are in their society for a man and a woman, or you have this this idea that that there are attractions and there are feelings and there are, are men who maybe act more feminine or there's females that act more masculine and there's even to an extent a, a disproportion of testosterone and all this other stuff. And so there's all these different contributing factors, but they all boil down to this and that is who they are. And that's why we've been seeing this spike of people who are are having the ability because of modern medicine and because of our modern culture that are able to change the original biological design that God had given them in crafting their own. Essentially, they're playing God and they're doing it because they don't see their their gender. They don't see their sexuality as something that God has made. They see it as something that they've just been dealt with and they choose not to be a part of. And so when we talk about this issue of gender identity, here's what we need to see is one that God loves us and God has designed us for a specific purpose as men and women Two, that we are to glorify God with our bodies and trust that God's design for us is true and, and right. And, and I want to be careful because I do know that there are certain birth defects uh, and things that happen that, that are very rare that may uh, affect that a little bit. And I think that John Piper speaks really well to that. Uh, if you get a chance, go to Desire and God and, and look up uh, transgender. Uh, and uh, what is it? It's uh, a sex change surgery. And he actually goes through Romans chapter one and talking about that issue and, and talking about how he would respond to somebody who, who maybe is born with both, uh, both parts and, and how he would respond to that and how, how, he, how he sees scripture working in that. And it's a really, really interesting article and a really, really interesting interview with him. Um, but kind of putting that aside, the reality is God has designed us in a specific way. And due to the fall, we're going to have attractions and we're going to have things that we incline to in terms of sin uh, there's going to be issues with us either mentally or physically that we're not a part of God's original design. That doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. That doesn't mean that God hasn't made us in his image, but it just means because of the fall, we have become this distorted image that needs salvation, that needs Jesus, that needs someone intervening for us on behalf of God, that we can have that relationship rekindled with him. And not only does it does it impact our hearts, but it really impacts our bodies too and, and who we are and, and all this other stuff. And so in talking about the issue of gender identity, we need to understand that we are made in God's image. He loves us. And regardless of our fall, regardless of, of how we feel and, and, and what society tells us around us, what we need to understand, it doesn't matter what society tells us. It matters what God tells us. And when we look at the truth of scripture, we see that God has designed us to be men and women that pursue after God. And, and, and I think that there is actually a lesson that we can learn in terms of how our culture defines manhood um, and what it means for, for womanhood too. 
because I think the culture also makes it very difficult for somebody who maybe is a man and, and, and feels more feminine to be what the culture deems as a man. But really, we shouldn't be looking at what our culture says is appropriate man, manhood and womanhood. We need to look at what God's word says to that. And in both scenarios, God has laid out clearly the roles in which men and women have uh, in society and in life. But most importantly, what he lays out is that they are there not to glorify themselves, not to pursue their own ambitions and to pursue their own pleasures, but to pursue God and glorify him in all they do. It's not about wearing flannel shirts or cutting down trees or learning how to hunt and fish. It's, it's learning about how to be a good dad and, and how to love and how to sacrifice. That's what manhood is. I mean, if you want to look at biblical manhood, look at Jesus. Jesus was the embodiment of what it means to be a man. And, and look at all these incredible women that we've seen in Scripture who, who stand up for what's right, who lead well, who serve well, who love abundantly, and who take on so much. Their, their humility and their, and their grace is, is unmerited by a ton of men in Scripture because men screw up all the time in Scripture too. Uh, but then we also see at the same breath uh, the sort of leadership that Jesus had in terms of how he served and how he pointed his followers to, to, to God and, and just how we see him as a man doing things that, that men today are struggling to do, and that is to serve and to love and to lead by serving and pointing others to the Father. And so this idea of gender identity, guys, God has laid out very clearly who we are and who we belong to and how we as men and women are to respond and how we are to behave and where identity lies. And it doesn't lie in the culture. It doesn't lie in how we feel. It lies in who God tells us we are. And we need to trust that. Now, the next thing is in talking about same-sex attraction, um, I, the one that's pointed to the most, I think, is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. So let's look at that passage real quick. Um, starting in verse 9, don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? Do not be deceived. No sexually immoral people, idolaters, adulterers, or males who have sex with males, no thieves, greedy people, drunkards, verbally abusive people, or swindlers will inherit God's kingdom. And can I ask why in the world when we read that, do we remove verse 11? Like I've seen so many people when they preach over this and it just irritates the the living mess out of me that they will so clearly go, all right, let's read verses 9 and 10 and then never touch on 11 because here's what 11 says. And some of you used to be like this, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. Why in the world would you not have that in your sermon when you preach this? Why? That's, this is the bad news followed by the great news and followed by the fact that, that Paul's not just saying, okay, you know, you bad people or these bad people are doing this and they're going to go to hell. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, don't you know the unrighteous will not go into God's kingdom? Here is the kind of people that do, that live in these habitual sins. But guess what? You and I both used to be like this. But here's where we are now. We've been washed. We've been sanctified. We've been justified because of Jesus. And so 
That is great and incredible news, and it doesn't separate us from that. So why do we leave that out so often? That's just an irritation for me. We cannot leave that out. We have to keep that in because why in the world would we ever share this bad news and not share the good news and not rejoice in the good news and and not celebrate the good news? So what do we see in this passage? Why, Why is this passage specifically called out in terms of same-sex attraction, homosexuality, in, in calling it that, um, it, mainly because it names it specifically as a sin that being habitual, someone will not inherit the kingdom of God. That as, as somebody, it's not like, okay, if you perform this act, then you're going to hell. No, it's a, what Paul is saying is these are the, the kind of people whose identity are rooted in these things and that they are they are they are these things they're they're not follow followers of christ they they do not have a relationship with jesus their lives are defined by these things and by these sins they are habitual they are part of them now here's what we need to see in this passage before we talk about and address one of these specifically okay the very first thing is we need to understand this is that all sin is equal do you think it's interesting that he goes into verse nine and he starts with no sexually immoral people. Why does he start with that? Why does he, he not start with murderers and idolaters? Why does he start with sexually immoral people? Because the sin, uh, sexual sin is not only a sin against others and a sin against God, but it's a sin against our own bodies too. And it's a very heavy rooted issue. And especially back then, and especially now, it's a very large issue here too. So here's what we need to understand. All sin is equal. All of these things on this list, there's not like a, like a, like a list of here's the top 10 sins. Like this is all seen as sin in God's eyes. Um, Now I want us to look at this and I love the way the CSB puts it. Okay, and and I want us to be very careful in the way that we read this. Okay, I'm going to read it again. No sexually immoral people, idolaters, adulterers, or here's the key words, males who have sex with males. Okay. And in looking in all of these other avenues, they are all almost nouns. No thieves, greedy people, drunkards, verbally abusive people, swindlers. But when we look at that, it's it's a verb. Males who have sex with males. So what can we what can we deem from that? What what do we get from that? Why would Paul specifically give verbiage to that, but make everything else a noun? And here's why. Because Paul understands and Jesus preached that the sin in our hearts and the actions that we have are and acting upon sinful desires are sin. That's why Jesus says, if you look upon a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery uh, and it's seen as sim- it's the same in God's eyes. If you hate your brother, you've murdered him in your heart. See, Jesus sees sinful desires acted upon as sin. And what Paul is getting at is that same sex attraction. If you are attracted to someone of the same sex, that is not where the sin is. The sin is when you act on those sinful desires, whether in your heart or with your body, just like anything else. 
It is no different than somebody, if we were to replace same-sex attraction with attraction to minors, or if we were to replace it with with alcohol addiction or whatever, there's there's any anything that that you lean to or attracted to as a sinful thing when acted upon is what sin you can be somebody who who has an addictive personality just because that you were once an addict or do have an addictive personality does not mean that you are a a sinner and and that you are somebody that is 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 unable to receive God's grace no but nor does it mean that you're living in the sinful lifestyle but what it means is that you have this thing in your life due to the fall that you now have to deal with on a greater level. And so that's what this passage is talking about. That's why I love that so much because it talks about how acting upon that sinful desire is what is sin, not actually being attracted to someone of the same sex. And I love this last part, verse 11. And this is what irks me that people don't say this more is that there is hope. And he says, since some of you used to be like this, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. See, Paul is not separating us from people that are struggling with this because he says you were the same. You struggled with this. You were like this. How many people tear into those who either struggle with same-sex attraction or are gay and, and they're going home and, and sleeping with their boyfriends or girlfriends. How many people do we know that are posting all this, this terrible stuff about on Facebook about anyone who is gay? Uh, and not even talking about people who are acting upon those desires, but anyone who are gay but say, you know what? But I'm a Christian and I'm practicing celibacy and I'm, I'm pursuing after God uh, and what he has designed for me. People still get onto them for that. And I just want to look at them and go... Okay, well, what are what are you have in your life that's leading you away from God? And why are you specifically shouting out at these people if you are constantly living in sin in your own life? Like that's that's not okay. And that's what Paul's saying is that you used to be like this, that we have all struggled at some point with this, but when we are washed, when we are sanctified, when we are justified, when we have a relationship with Jesus, all that doesn't matter. Because we have been changed and we have been saved and we have a new life found in Christ and our identity is no longer our own. It's no longer in sin. It is in Jesus. And so in talking about these things, how do we respond? How do we respond with this issue of sexual identity and talking about same-sex attraction and talking about issues with gender identity? How do we respond? Okay, one we need to quit removing ourselves from the need of God's grace. We need to understand that we are in need of God's grace just like anyone else. And when we try to put ourselves on a pedestal beyond people who have these specific struggles, all we are doing is putting a greater divide between us and them and, and treating this like an us and them issue and not a we are all fallen, we are all broken, we are all need the grace of God. Two, present the truth in love. Now, we understand and know what the Bible says about these things. Okay. It's not, not a secret. It's not unknown. It's not a a grand mystery. God has made very clear to us what these things are in his word. However, we need to present those things with truth, with love, and with an abundant amount of grace. 
I think one of the best things that we can do is to help walk people through uh, their struggles with their identity and with their same-sex attraction in terms of not acting on it, not, not declaring, you know, I am not attracted to the same sex. No, not, not, not removing that from them at all, but rather saying, you know, that is not what defines you. What defines you is that you are loved by God and that you have a relationship with him. And, and I believe it's actually exploring real options for people who are same sex attracted, being mindful of those things and helping them with those things. For example, I've read a few incredible books about people that have explored options for those who, who are attracted to the same sex where they can still live in, in this God honoring lifestyle that God is calling them to, uh, in terms of their sexuality. And, and a few of them have, have kind of laid out this list and here's just kind of an overview of it. Um, one is that an option for them is to find genuine community in the church. You know, I think that the idea is that, well, you know, if I am attracted to the same sex, I should be able to pursue a relationship with them because uh, marriage and families are so emphasized in the church and in our culture. And one, we need to stop doing that because there's a lot of people who are called to be single and that can do God honoring things being single. Um, there was a lot of incredible people in the early church that were single, including Jesus, and did a lot of incredible things. And we need to stop putting marriage and kids on a pedestal. And I say that as a dad and a husband. Like, I I think that, that our culture not only does that, but our churches do that to where we don't show appropriate love and care for those who are single, those who choose to be single. And, and instead, we always try to push toward them towards like a singles class where we're trying to play matchmaker rather than saying, okay, how can you honor God in your life being a single person? And even Paul even says like in the ministry that he has, it was better for him to be single because he, he didn't have a wife and kids that he had to, to consider in the things that he did. And so I think that we need to do a better job at doing that and honoring people who are single. And so for those who struggle with same-sex attraction, they, what they need is they need community. They need people that they can be invested with. They need people that they can be around. They need community and, and companionship, not at a, at a, at a romantic level, but at a level of, of, of a, like of a great friendship. They need people around them to, to help with this, this loneliness, to have a sense of community. Because the thing is being attracted to someone of the same sex can be a very lonely place to be. And People that are in lonely places need people that they can talk to. They need people they can trust. They need friends. They need community. And it's up to us and it's up to our churches to to be that community for them. The second option is a very difficult one, but is celibacy. Is if they desire to, to pursue God's understanding for sexuality and, and God's design for marriage, then if they are attracted to the same sex, then they pursue celibacy in that, which is a very difficult decision. And it can be very hard, but in community, it can work and it can be very freeing. And understanding so that God honors that and God uses that for some incredible things. I remember reading um, two books, A War of Loves um, and uh, Jackie Hill Perry's, uh, gay girl, good God. And what was really cool is that she actually 
committed herself to celibacy and, and so did the other guy who wrote the book. Um, and she actually ended up uh, being attracted to, to a man, uh, which was a very difficult process because there was a sense of attraction there, but it wasn't attraction physically. It was attraction to him as a Christ follower and his patience and his love for the Lord is what drew her to him. Uh, and now they do have intimacy. Now they're married, but it's taken a lot of counseling, and a lot of work, and it is a, a lot of work. And um, the thing is, God has allowed her to have that and, and has opened that up for her. And, you know, that's not the norm, but she's walks through very well what that looked like for her, someone who was attracted to women and how difficult it was. It wasn't just this easy bait and switch, like, oh, God made me attracted to this man. Woohoo! Like, it was like a no, this is a process. Like, I wasn't attracted to him for him or his features or anything. I was attracted to him because he loved Jesus. And she had a relationship with Jesus, which helped with that too. Um, but the the other the other guy in A War of Two Loves uh, committed to celibacy and has never felt more free or more happy. And and not to say that that you know Christianity makes you happy, but what it does is is, is it makes you joyful. And he had an incredible amount of joy in his circumstances, in his hurts, in his pain. Uh, from before. And now he's living a life that is free because he's not worried about who he's going to date or who he's going to be with. He's worried about glorifying God and all that he does and, and living in what God is calling him to do. And that is to make the gospel known and to make the love of Christ known. And so it is a very freeing thing for him. And so it is an option and it is a good and valuable option. And for most, it is the only option. Um, so those are just a couple, those are options for people that are struggling with same sex attraction. And the thing is, as the church and as people around them, we need to be supportive of these things and not just supportive, but helpers and, and not just say, okay, well, you know, either you, you, you date somebody and you get married or you become miserable for the rest of your life and don't spend any time with anyone. No, that's not it. We, we need to, we need to give options because these are real human experiences. These are real humans that want desire companionship and desire people and want to be loved and want to have family and they can do that still. It just, we've got to do it in the confines of which God has declared as holy and as good. Um, the last thing and how we should respond is we should be a friend, a true friend, make friends with these people, make friends with those who are struggling through this. And what you'll see is, there are a lot of Christian people that avoid those in the LGBT community or avoid those who are attracted to the same sex out of some weird fear that they're going to be attracted to them and, and hit on them or whatever. Um, we, we need to kind of get past that and really get to the point to where we're being friends to them. Uh, friends who will support them, friends who will pray for them and not support them in terms of supporting and allowing uh, sinful habits in their life and allowing them to, to fall away from the Lord, but a friend that points them back to Jesus, encourages them and guides them and is, is, is for them and on their side. Um, so how do we love? And, you know, we talked about how do we respond? How do we love, uh, meet them where they are. Uh, there's an incredible book that addresses this called messy grace talking about how, uh, not, not to say that, that, you know, people specifically, these uh, people struggling with this are messy, but that, that all people are messy and grace in, it, in itself looks messy in our lives and that we need to get a little messy. 
we need to get and enter the lives of people that are different than us that we may love them well and so meet them where they are don't wait for them to come to you don't wait for them to finally accept your church invitation go to them share the gospel with them share love with them have coffee with them something like be there where they are meet them in their sins and in their struggles because that's exactly where jesus met us uh two see them as god sees them god sees them as his children as 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 those made in his image as those he loves and desires that they would have a relationship with him see people as god sees them not as projects not as people with the plague but as people that god loves and god has a desire to have a relationship with and the last thing i believe is how we show love is that we need to educate ourselves on these struggles we need to understand and learn how this is so difficult why this is so difficult and how we can make these things easier for them because i believe that when we're educated on these things i believe that when we understand what it's like to be in these struggles not that we could ever personally relate uh in terms of the level that that a lot of these people have to go through but rather understand what makes these struggles worse what makes them more difficult and how can we as christians help walk alongside them in truth and love uh and going alongside these struggles and so that's essentially it that's that's our thoughts on on sexual identity and talking about it for this week. I know that was a lot of information, a lot of stuff, but it's so important that we talk about this because when it all boils down to is where is our identity found? Is it found in who we're attracted to? Is it found in who we believe our gender is to be? Or is it found in Jesus? And I believe that when we understand and see how God has designed us to be as men and how God has designed us to be as women, that it will affect when we trust that, when we follow that, it affects the way we treat others. It affects the way we lead. It affects the way we serve. It affects the way we treat our bodies and our relationships and our sexuality. And so that's kind of all for this. Uh, I'm going to answer a couple questions tonight after uh, we're done. Um, I may not go into as much detail as I did with some of you here uh, but I do that because, you know, a lot of a lot of you all listening are adults and and honestly probably have a lot more experience in this stuff. Uh, and, and I'm I'm going to give a little bit of a disclaimer. I'm not I'm not saying that I know everything about this and that I fully have a 100 percent grasp on all of this because this is a very deep and hard issue. But I'm seeking to learn and I'm seeking to grow and I'm seeking to love uh, in this area. And so uh, I've got a couple of resources if you want to check out that I've read on these things that have really helped me grasp a better understanding of, uh, one, the, the issue of same-sex attraction, two, how to respond, and three, what it's like to live in that. And here's three books I would recommend. I'd recommend Messy Grace. Uh, Messy Grace is a book about this pastor who has two gay parents um, and about his journey and his life. And it is, wow, it is so stinking good. Out of the three, it's probably my favorite that I would recommend just because it is just so well laid out in terms of what it's like for somebody who doesn't struggle with that to relate and to love and to respond. Um, the next I'd recommend is Gay Girl, Good God by Jackie Hill Perry. Um, I would actually recommend reading this one on Audible. Uh, I would recommend not picking up the, the physical book, but listening to it because one, she reads it. And two, she is 
one of the best poets. I, I didn't know that she was a Christian rapper. I, and, and I could totally see, I was like, man, like she's really good. And, and so I, I would just say, you know, listen to her and, and, and listen to her, her share her experiences and her story is just so cool. Uh, and really gives a lot more of the experience with it. But then the next one I'd recommend is a war of loves, which is a story of a gay activist who turned into a Christian and his story is very real and very raw and, and really just allows us to sit in his life with him and is just incredible to see God working in that person. And, and I believe out of the three that he gives a really good example of what it means to live in a celibate life and to do it with joy um, and with grace. And so that's it for this episode. I know it was a lot. I know it was probably pretty heavy stuff, um, but it's super important that we talk about these things first before we get into all this other stuff. So that's how and how this is going to be structured, uh, talking about all these things and going through all these things and sharing all these things with our students and allowing them to have conversations and dialogue on these. Cause I mean, if I can just be transparent with you, we really do a good job of avoiding these things and we really need to stop doing that because these teenagers are exposed to and around a lot of very difficult things. And, and we as a church need to do a better job in educating and equipping them uh, to love and care for their neighbor and those around them. Um, and so that's my hope and desire with this series. It's not to just educate students on what the Bible has to say about sex. It's more than that. It's, it's to help address harder issues in their life that they will face at some point to trust God and his design for it and to see what scripture has to say and how they respond with truth and love. And that's what we're going to do every week uh, for the next few weeks. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about sex itself, uh, which is going to make a lot of students very uncomfortable. But you know what? <laughs> we, we need to talk about it. Um, and I'm addressing questions every week. I'll go ahead and just kind of share what a couple of these questions are. These are really just more for the students. Um, a lot of them have been about dating. For example, this one is how do you get someone to willingly talk to you? Um, and the other is a little related to that. And it says, let me open that up. How do you know if it is a date or not? So that like questions like that, we'll, we'll talk about those things and, and dialogue a little bit. Um, some of them, a lot of, a lot of, you know, you could kind of tell like the age whenever they ask questions like that. It's, it's fun. Um, I had one, had one student, I, I just answered it to him personally, but he, he, uh, wrote down, he's like, how do I get a girl to like me? And I'm like, all right, man, that's a. That's a that's a thousand dollar question right there. But anyways, thank you so much for listening and, and having this conversation. If you've got questions or uh, anything you'd like for us to talk about on the podcast, one, I hope you understand at this point that really there's nothing off limits. We're going to talk about things. And two, my hope in my prayer is that you'll take these things and apply them to other avenues of your life too, and researching things and looking at things and praying about things and looking for new ways to love people. But if you do have a question that you'd like us to address, uh, please email me at dbarden at ibcwarren.net and put in the subject line podcast. And I'd love to try to address anything that maybe 
I didn't adjust here. But uh, anyways, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for your time. And I hope you have a great rest of your day.